This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Some of us pump, and some of us slump. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. Oh, he's an imbecile, probably from birth. Man's a complete idiot. Pray to God he's an idiot. What's up? So how are you liking that new clip? First of all, I'm not an idiot or an imbecile. And I take offense to you using my own clip against me. <laughs> that, that was your clip to be played when you lost. Hey, what can I say? It was it was a good clip you picked. I, I had a few uh, that I thought about, but, you know, I was like, you know, it's just not as good as the Elephant Man clip. Yeah, I, I watched the Elephant Man for the first time last year. And it's fantastic. Five-star movie. ASAP. Mm. And, uh, ASAP. That means now. I remember that clip, and I'm like... We gotta use that clip on the show sometime. <laughs> <laughs> well, Unfortunately, well, it's at my expense. Mm-hmm. So you'll that'll be your clip for another few episodes, and then uh, get to pick something else. Yeah. Have any ideas? Nothing firm right now. I have maybe a couple movies I want to watch or rewatch, and hopefully try to pick something out of. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to do that because I'm like two or three weeks behind on WWE and WrestleMania is next weekend. And I just got a PlayStation 5 and I've been playing that. (laughs) So I don't know when I'm going to have time for movies. Although I'm still going to the theater to see any shitty movie that they'll put in there. I saw a clip the other day. I'm going to ask you if it was new or if it was a really old clip, but it was Seth Rollins getting attacked by some fan that dropped him. Oh uh, yeah, that's from a couple of years ago, I think. Okay. Was it? So, but... He was he was like walking out. Uh, yeah, like right on the stage, some guy come running around the, <laughs> the outside of the and <laughs> just double legged him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was from a year or two ago. Throw Rollins around like a rag doll, <laughs> and then once security got a hold of him, then you know Rollins got to act tough. <laughs> I don't know where security was because that guy ran a long way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a really long way. Do you know what happened to that guy? Uh, I'm sure they arrested him. But uh, they don't follow up too much with that kind of stuff. Like, oh, he got 30 days in jail or something for assault. Or I don't know if they would charge him with assault, maybe trespassing, and then just ban yeah. him from the arena and future WWE events. Sure. It was a little embarrassing for Seth Rollins. <laughs> Actually, he came out later that night, and he was like looking around, like to make sure nobody was coming. <laughs> <laughs> make sure the coast was clear. All right. Well, I think we got your fix of wrestling talk into this episode. Let's get into some recently seen movies. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? 
So many good ones. So many good ones in the theaters right now. <laughs> it's that time of year for the best movies. <laughs> February and March. Although, um, I don't know. There's been a couple of good ones. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we haven't been doing as many recently scenes, but if you follow my letterbox, you'll see there's a there's a couple that I liked quite a bit. The Movie Drone podcast just covered Infinity Pool, which I loved. It was a borderline ASAP for me, and they're like, oh, it's a 64. <laughs> like what <laughs> what movie did you guys see because that movie is oh, great. Well, whose was 64 they were both in the mid 60s both okay of them. okay i took personal offense i told them it's better than they acted i didn't listen to that part because i have yet to see infinity pool and i really want to so it's it's fantastic it's it's in the running for best movie of 2023 right now yeah i'm uh intrigued by it speaking of uh letterboxd Yours is under Positively Wolf One, as is your Twitter. My Letterboxd is under Eric underscore Mulder. So follow us on Letterboxd. So uh, last recently seen, I challenged you to watch the Bond film for your eyes only. So you'll go last, which means I'll go first. Right? That's how it works. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, I saw a movie in the cinema. It was an employee screening, so it wasn't. Oh. A... <laughs> but I saw what? Scream 6. What were you going to say? Well, I said, then you got to go. Of course. I also saw Scream 6. Directed by Matt Bettinelli Alpen and Tyler Gillett or Gillet. Gillette. Yeah, Gillette. That's a good one. <laughs> Is it Gillette? I don't know. Well, it's G I. Is it? Two L's and two T's, I think. Yeah, I would say Gillette. It's yeah. spelled like the Razor Company, but there's no E at the end. Yeah, see? So well, I, there's two T's. Gillette. <laughs> there's there's two T's, so it's not it's not Gillet or Gillet or whatever. Cast Courtney Cox, Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, Skeet Ulrich, Roger Jackson as the voice. Dermot Mulrooney, Jack Champion, Josh Sagara, and Samara Weaving. Uh, Liana Liberato is also a major cast member. It's in a weird order here. And Hayden Panettiere. That's right. Yeah, I missed that too. In her first movie since their kid almost made her commit suicide. What's this? She had well-publicized postpartum depression. Mm. I, guess, I guess I kind of forgot about that because I remember you know, her marriage didn't last. And I just, I thought maybe I just chalked that up to like marital troubles, I guess. I don't know. I guess I wasn't paying that close of attention to Hayden. <laughs> maybe that's what led into the, uh, the marriage breaking apart. I think that was part of it. Plus there was a very large height difference. <laughs> hope she had good health insurance oh boy not gonna speculate how big he is <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I think her life was like that movie a mouthful of air which was a very important movie mm. that i and about four single women saw individually in the same theater <laughs> It wasn't important enough for me to see. 
It was on a holiday, I think. I forget which one. Hmm. One of the minor ones. Flag Day? Like Labor Day or something. Synopsis. In the next installment, the survivors of ghost of the Ghostface killings leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter in New York City. So, kind of the this is like, I guess, part two of a rebooted trilogy. A requill trilogy, the, if you will. The sequel to the requill. <laughs> yeah, sure is. <laughs> And boy, is it a sequel, because it's just like the last one. Mm-hmm. It's it's also very similar to Scream 2. I mean, I, all the Scream movies are pretty similar. But yeah. uh, this one is very similar in story to Scream 2, because uh, the main characters in both films are off at college. So they're not, they're not in Woodsboro. Mm-hmm. Um, also, yeah, they're both the sequel to the original, if you want to call it that. <laughs> That's how sequels work. <laughs> uh, Randy's cousins are sure to inform us of the rules once again, uh, especially for sequels to requels. But um, yeah, this one. Uh, it's a franchise, they say. It is. <laughs> it's, it's different this time. <laughs> now it's a franchise. <laughs> now that we're on to number six. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's different this time. Ghostface is different. Everything hits different about this time around. He's using a, a well, I mean, they typically uh, the killers use guns, but after they're unmasked, they don't really ever use guns with the costume on. It's always at the end when they Scooby Doo themselves and it was him all along. <laughs> yeah. They just point the guns at each other while they explain why they're doing it. The five minutes of exposition. <laughs> But yeah, so this one, it was in the trailer. There's that he uses a shotgun in the in the bodega. It's kind of a shootout there. He's on the subway, knifing people. All the big New York locations, mm-hmm. warehouse, empty, uh, empty theater, alleyways, apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't take advantage of the New York location very much. But yeah, I'd say it's the goriest one, at least since the first, if not the goriest of them all, I'd say. Because most of them just have a lot of stabbing and blood splatter, things like that. You know, in the first one, there's the disembowelment in the beginning. It was pretty graphic. There's something similar to that, I'd say, uh, towards the beginning of this one. But um, yeah, it's a brutal, brutal scream. Sequel to the requel, as you said. Um, I found it to be pretty entertaining. I thought they did a better job this time around of letting us get to know the characters versus the last one where it, I liked the last one probably actually a little better than this, but that's just probably because it was a stronger movie and uh, the first one in 10 years. So this one, much like scream two also scream two came out within a year of scream one. And that's pretty much the case this time around. Exactly. Oh, it's about one year. I think uh, Scream came out January of last year. I think so, yeah. So 13 months or so. Pretty quick turnaround. I thought that, you know, especially with Sydney in the last one, Sydney's not in this one, but she was in the last one, and you had Dewey and Gail. So you spend time with the legacy characters, as they call them, versus the new ones. Right. And this time you spend a lot more time with the new characters, newer characters. And so I, I guess I felt more of a connection to them. Than I did the last time around, but uh, you know these haven't really been scary to me for a long time. 
the original scream was like the scariest thing I'd ever seen when I was a kid. I was like 12 when I saw it. it scared the shit of me. I couldn't go to bed that night. And when I did fall asleep for like a half hour, I just had the worst nightmare. Yeah. Where I was on like a some sort of a ship, like a ship from the 17, 1800s, that sort of a ship. But it was just full of ghost face killers running around. <laughs> I was like hiding in a barrel. But anywho. Well, now they're more like a whodunit than a, than yeah. a horror movie. I mean, there there have always been that, but, and I would say the first one is just scarier in general, although it is a satire, but, you know, they kind of lean more into the, the comedy and the, the meta. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. <laughs> uh, with Scream 2 and, and what followed. So it's definitely more of like a entertaining whodunit. I guess comparing it to like Glass Onion, I think I'd, I'd like this better than Glass Onion. Not by much. As far as the mystery, they did it better in this movie. Mm. I think I rated Glass Onion higher, but it was like, because it's a comedy and like three or four of the characters are pretty funny. And sure, this one is uh, more kind of by the books. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I rated them both three stars. I also rated Scream from 2020. Wait, two. 2022. <laughs> three stars. But uh, yeah, I would say it's almost pretty much the same as the last one in terms of enjoyability. I liked it decent enough. It's nothing special, but uh, I enjoyed it. I will give it a WTM eventually. Eventually. Especially if you're a fan of the franchise. Yeah, I, I would give it a last resort. I liked the last one. It's it's probably I don't like the series that much overall, to be honest. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the last one might be almost my favorite i don't even know if it's it's up there it's one Mm -hmm. of the better ones this one uh like you said it's a lot like the last one which is okay in some ways but there are other things like and i don't know it's kind of a spoiler i guess but not everybody who you think dies ends up dead and uh they did that last time too and it's like well you're just removing all the stakes then you know, if everybody could just get gutted and then just show up at the end of the movie, like, hey, I'm fine. I'll be good. Scooby-Doo ending number two. <laughs> and then I, I thought um, they kind of had some plot holes in there where once they revealed the uh, who the screen or the ghost face was, like the logistics of other scenes didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like they would show characters in one place, uh, across town from where Ghostface was, but then like you find out that that character was the Ghostface the whole time, and it's like, well, they can't be in two places at once. Like, like this doesn't. I don't. I can't wrap my head. Well, I think you're getting into did. you're getting into spoiler territory because it. I, I'm it's trying not so not much. To spoil it, it's not but, so uh, much that they couldn't have been there. It's that the ghost face that was there, you don't believe that they could do what they do on screen. Well, there's part of that, and sometimes, <laughs> you know, um, I, I won't spoil it, but I, I thought there were plot holes in the, the logistics of how sure ghost face would show up in various scenes when uh, once you find out who he was, who who ghost face was, you realize well the character who was playing Ghostface was actually somewhere else at that time. And I don't know how they showed up in that, that spot to go kill people. But 
yeah, so uh, there's there's some nitpick, nit, nitpicky things like that that bothered me. Uh, it's it's decent overall. If you like the last one, like you said, this this one's very much like it and a, a continuation of it, and um, you'll probably get something out of it. But it, to me, it's a last resort. All right. What have you seen recently? Oh, I saw the the new big uh, DC extended universe uh, superhero movie, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Oh, good for you! And how was it? <laughs> uh, it's the movie that killed the DCEU. <laughs> Directed by David F. Sandberg, who uh, I saw there was a uh, something going around where he posted on reddit that he 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 saw the writing on the wall that it was going to be a bomb and he got paid up front and now he's going to direct horror movies again he's happy to get out of the dc business and he blocked zolly <laughs> well zolly just asked him to denounce the known pedophile james gunn allegedly i should say that for legal purposes several times Several times he's <laughs> told him that. Well, I, I know Zolly's never been fact checked on it, so I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, take Why that how you will. <laughs> take that how you will. Starring Zachary Levi, Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazer, Rachel Zagler, Adam Brody, Ross Butler. Uh, DJ Katrona, Grace Caroline, name is cut off, Curry, Grace Caroline Curry, Megan Good, Lucy Liu, uh, Javon Hounsu, Helen Mirren, uh, then all the other kid actors. Sure, that's about enough. Uh, synopsis the film continues the story of teenage billy batson who upon reciting the magic word shazam is transferred into his adult superhero alter ego shazam um before you uh, get in your review real quick i mean we could talk about how this is a monumental bomb for dc and whatnot but so i was uh selling tickets yesterday and let's see it was the late afternoon show some guy came in in full Heath Ledger Joker. <laughs> he was cosplaying, just purple suit, makeup, dyed green hair. It was like the, the whole nine yards, you know. As the Joker, yeah. I'm like, he comes walking in. I'm like, what the f- <laughs> fuck is a Heath Ledger Joker doing here? And he comes up. He's like, oh, you know, one for Shazam, please. I'm like, <laughs> he's that much of a DC nut that he. Cosplay Joker. Like this is the right movie. The Nolan verse Joker to <laughs> I guess an extension of the Snyderverse DC, which is also a part of Nolan because Nolan was producer for some of it. But I was just like, what the f like I know <laughs> I think uh what Superman it did have a cameo and they took it out, right? In this movie? No. I think uh you're thinking of the Flash. Well, I know that, but I thought they were going to do something quick with this one because at the end of the first Shazam, you know, Superman shows up. It's not Henry Cavill. It's <laughs> Superman from the, like the chest down. From the chest down, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought they were going to 
Well, does is Black Adam? Oh, spoilers! Does Black Adam show up? No, that's no, right. The Rock, that... the Rock refused to appear that's in right. this movie. But I thought they were going to do something quick with Henry Cavill. But yeah, I guess not. I don't know about yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he just you know he bought a big bucket of popcorn and <laughs> walked into the movie and enjoyed his Shazam experience. I'm sure. <laughs> but full makeup, hair dyed green. That's everything. Maybe maybe wow. they're bringing Heath Ledger back for the Flash. Because <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, well, maybe you know he just wanted to see the Flash trailer, you know. But then again, you know, Christian Bale's not supposed to be in it. But no, be. the only Batman they show in the Flash trailer is um, Michael well, they show, Keaton. They show Ben Affleck too. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they show Ben Affleck telling him like. Don't fuck with the timelines or whatever. And then uh, I, I think that's uh, supposed to be his only scene in the movie. Like they cut everything else out with him. Speaking of Ben Affleck, he's like, I'm done with DC because I don't want to direct movies the way they want to direct. Movies. Yes. <laughs> and not so many words. James Gunn is a piece of shit. He's a terrible filmmaker and a worst <laughs> human being. <laughs> I saw the Suicide Squad. I see what's going on here. Hey, you're a big fan of his Guardians movies. I liked them too. That's uh, so weird because, like, I I really liked them. The first two Guardians movies. I'm cautiously optimistic about the third one, but the trailer doesn't have me very hyped up for it. Yeah, but considering I really don't like anything else James Gunn has done, I'm starting to think that it's I don't know. I'll just like disney meddling with his stuff to make it look and you know look better and actually like be better there's good cast uh, too and when he's kind of left to his own devices and he's in charge of everything like it just looks like trauma shit yeah like the uh like the suicide squad looked like it was so fucking cheap it was Mm -hmm. like don't you have like a hundred million dollar budget for this how did you (laughs) make it look so bad i don't know but yeah, I, I do like the Guardians movies, but yeah, very little else that I've seen from him has been any good. So don't have high hopes for, and the stuff they announced for the DC slate coming up looks like shit. Like I, none of it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's a bunch yep. of characters that you never heard of and, mm-hmm. uh, or, or they're going to do a TV show starring Amanda Waller. What? <laughs> She's the last character I want to see. Mm-hmm. Gonna build a show around that shit. I think they're trying to go the Marvel route. You know, when they did with Agents of Shield, it's like a Clark Gregg show. You know, <laughs> I forget the name of Clark Gregg's character in those movies, but uh, Olson or Col- Colson or something is his name. I forget. I remember. But, I didn't. But he was see basically much. like the the focus of that show, right? It probably. I didn't watch much Marvel stuff before Endgame. I suppose I did go back and watch Infinity War before Endgame came out, but didn't watch much before that for the Avengers Marvel stuff. Right. So I don't know. And I don't really plan on going back and rewatching mm-hmm. any of it. But anyway, Shazam Fury of the Gods. So I was looking uh <laughs> I was looking to get some tickets, uh or well, a ticket, an A-list ticket that I don't have to pay for to see this movie on the, the Dolby screen. And uh, the theater I usually go to, uh, they had it out there on Thursday. 
We had two showings on the Dolby screen, a couple on the IMAX, and then a few regular theaters. I looked on Tuesday, and they had already listed the... It was either Tuesday or Wednesday, but it seemed really early. They already listed the Dolby screenings as sold out. And I swear to God, they only sold like five tickets between two the two shows. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's no way it was sold out. Right. And then um, looking at the IMAX screenings on like Wednesday, Wednesday night, or even Thursday during the day, they'd only sold like 15 tickets uh, across like three showtimes to the other premium format. <laughs> so and then i ended up going to that theater to see a different movie on thursday night and there was some weather it had rained during the day and then it started snowing so it wasn't great the parking lot was like almost empty like I, there there couldn't have been more than 30 or 40 cars in the lot and this is a 16 theater uh a 16 screen theater with this is southdale yeah with Wait. with a Dolby screen, an IMAX screen, and then fourteen other screens. Most of them go back to like uh, row G uh, to J. See what happened was everyone was doing a lot of shopping that day, so everyone parked at different areas of the mall. They didn't park by yeah, they didn't park <laughs> by the theater entrance. They parked nope. on the opposite side by the bus. <laughs> they all took the bus, is what it was, and they came in on the opposite <laughs> side of the mall. <laughs> but yeah I, I walked by uh, i could hear it. the dolby was blaring like they're definitely showing that movie on that screen so it wasn't one of the deals where like sometimes if they have a showtime out there and they need to cancel it they'll mark it as sold out so you can't buy tickets to it they definitely are showing it so uh there's a little shady stuff going on with uh the wb and the dc yeah it only made about 30 million wonder how much of that was paid for by themselves <laughs> for, for promotion. Marketing. Something similar happened when I saw Black Adam. The, the screening I went to was shown as sold out maybe a couple of hours before I went. And there were probably at least 20 or 30 empty seats in there. Mm -hmm. But uh, Shazam, when I went on Friday night, they filled maybe a third of the, the Dolby Theater. Mm. Maybe 40 or 50 people showed up. So, not a good look for Shazam Fury of the Gods. Oh, and I should probably review the movie. It's terrible. <laughs> I, was, I couldn't stop rolling my eyes at how bad a lot of it was. And it's uh, it's childish, and it's uh, it's not funny. And um, I don't know. The fat kid comes out as gay, but like it was super obvious in the first one. So, I was like... Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did see, too, there was a, a video going around of uh, Rachel Ziegler being asked why she wanted to become a DC superhero, and she said, because uh, I needed a job. And then after the movie comes out, she's talking about critics are being too mean about the movie, because it's a really good movie, and I had a lot of fun working on it. Here's pictures of me smiling with my co-stars. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's really bad. There's there's several jokes about underage boys hooking up with older women. Mm. It's very on brand. Catering to the new boss. Mm. <laughs> the crippled kid gets beat up in school in front of the teacher, and there's no consequences. 
Yeah, it's just kind of low grade superhero shit. It's just been done to death and Zachary Zachary Levi is super annoying and he's nothing like the uh, the child version of his character which is ridiculous cuz like why would his personality change that much? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh I, I I won't say it's a never. I'll give it a last resort, but it's a very bad movie. Okay. It's a last resort. All right. Well, I think, did you talk about House Party in the last recently seen? Um, <laughs> this is a while not. ago, if I did. I think I, I think I did. Yeah, I did. Okay, well, I, I've never seen the originals. House Party 1, 2, and 3, so I started with the original from 1990. Well, you got to see the new ones soonish, so you know, <laughs> don't waste too much time on the old ones. I gotta, get, I gotta get a baseline for these house party movies. I think the new one's pretty different. So, but anyways, I'll I'll let you review the old one. And I know Kim Play is like. in the new one, so you know, I didn't know if there was. That's kind of a spoiler. It was kind of a surprise. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're in. There's like one or two. TV movie or straight to DVD house parties that they appeared in. So I wasn't really surprised that they're in this. And I'm pretty sure I saw them in the trailer. Oh, so, the new one. Yeah. Yeah. But anywho, the original is directed by Reginald Hudlin. Also written by Reginald Hudlin. Starring Christopher Reed, known as Kid. Christopher Martin, known as Play. Robin Harris. Martin Lawrence. Tisha Campbell. So we get Martin and Gina. Together again, before Martin, A.J. Johnson, Paul Anthony, Edith Fields, Clifton Powell. From Norbert. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) George Clinton, Daryl Mitchell, and of course, John Witherspoon. Oh, of course. Synopsis. Kid decides to go to his friend Play's house party but neither of them can predict what's in store for them of what could be the wildest night of their lives. And it's a school night too. This isn't like a Friday or a Saturday. <laughs> this is a school night. They're in school during the day and they got school the next day. Wow. It's like a midweek party. Hell, it could even be a Monday. I'm not even sure. But so Martin Lawrence, he's the DJ kid and player, the main characters. It's funny. Cause, uh, you know, they, they did a, a few of these movies, uh, Kid and Play. You know, they did the Three House Parties. Uh, Class Act was another one, which I have not seen. Have you seen Class Act? No. But uh, Kid, of course, has the famous tall, flat-top hair style. If you want to call it that? It's funny because people are always calling him Eraserhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's pretty good. I was like, God, these... Uh, Black teenagers are really up on their avant-garde films. <laughs> Watching these Jack Nance films from the 70s. But uh, yeah, it's a typical high school movie, early 90s. You know, it's a house party. Although there isn't much drinking or anything. It's more about dancing. You know, they talk about breaking and crush groove and things like that. So it, I think they're kind of trying to harken back to the kind of the 80s dance movies. Breaking and Crush Crew are good movies. Yeah. There's one or two scenes of um, kind of synchronized 
you know, dancing and whatnot. So, you know, kid and play, they show their moves off. Other people do as well. Um, kid has some problems with bullies. So he runs to follow them during school. They have a fight and then it's kind of, kind of continues on throughout the, throughout the night. Not too much to say about it. It was pretty entertaining. John Witherspoon was the, was the neighbor. He's the neighbor of uh, play. So he's, he's constantly out by the window, like yelling at the kids to you know turn down the music <laughs> and we need to call the police. And he was hilarious <laughs> as he always is. <laughs> yeah. Fun characters. Just a, just a fun, just a fun time. Decent soundtrack. So yeah, I would uh, definitely recommend it. I will have to go and see two and three. I'll probably skip four and there might even be a five. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'll just probably skip from three straight to the remake or, you know, reboot. Is it a requel? <laughs> I guess I'll have to find out. Um, Yeah, I don't think it's technically a, uh, technically a requel. I think it's more of a reboot or uh, it's not even a, yeah, it's probably more of a reboot because it's not, the premise is quite a bit different. Like, I guess, you know, they throw a party, but like the circumstances around the party are considerably sure. different. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I'll give it a WTM eventually. Eventually. All right. My next movie, 2023's Inside, directed by Vasilis Katsupis. And starring Willem Dafoe. Synopsis. Nemo, a high-end art thief, is trapped in a New York penthouse after his heist doesn't go as planned. Locked inside with nothing but priceless works of art, he must use all his cunning and invention to survive. Now, I was lucky enough to get an email from our friends at Letterboxd offering me a free ticket to go see this movie. Uh, it was a free screening sponsored by Letterboxd and Focus Features. And uh, seeing as this was the first time I had received one of those invitations, I had some questions on logistics, which nobody could seem to answer. <laughs> Basically, they make you RSVP, which is just like filling out a Google form with your name and email address on it and whether you're going to bring somebody with you. And then... Uh, it just happened the next day, a guy from Letterboxd emailed. He must have emailed everybody that RSVP'd, and he basically begged us to bring more people with us. <laughs> Says, we've got uh, some extra capacity, so I want you to uh, bring some more people. So I asked him, like, what, am I going to get, like, a email with instructions on what I do uh, to get, you know, once I get to the theater to, to get in the screening? He's like, no, just go and enjoy. And my, so I just go and say I'm here for the letterbox screening and they'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so there's some, somebody from the studio will be there. And uh, then I DM the uh, AMC uh, support Twitter account, see if they have any info on it. You know, like just, you know. For my sake, like what, when I get to the theater, what do I do? How do I get into this, this screening, given that I don't have a ticket or anything like that. And I'm driving 20 miles or uh, about 20 minutes in the snow to get there. Um, 
and uh, they basically said, well, I don't have any info on this. I don't know. Try calling the theater. I tried calling the theater about five times and nobody picked up. Right. <laughs> Not a single time. So anyways, I, I just went down there and uh, I go in and luckily the lobby was empty. This was on the, the Thursday when they had the sold out Shazam shows and everybody took the bus to, to come see it because there's nobody in the parking lot or in the lobby. And um, the guy's like, yeah, I don't need anything. Just It's on, it's in theater 12. And um, so I go down the theater 12. It's the last one. It's the farthest one from the door. And there's a lady by the door and she's got a list and uh, she just checked my name off. And I, I say to her, so I just uh, just go sit anywhere. And she she literally laughed. <laughs> she literally goes, yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, about uh, I'd say about 25 people showed up, 25 or 30. What's the capacity for the theater? It had to be over a hundred because it went to row J. Uh, okay. There's no row I, so there's that's nine rows. There's probably about sixteen seats in a row. Is that like an unlucky row number? I don't know. For some reason, the like thirteenth floor. <laughs> for some reason, AMC doesn't have row I in any of their theaters. <laughs> like I don't get it. They all go from H to J. I don't know if it's confusing or what. But anyways, that's how I got into the movie Inside. And uh, they read a little spiel before it started. Uh, it's uh, Willem Dafoe and uh, Tour de Force and uh, a groundbreaking... She says, I'm told there's a groundbreaking uh, performance by a pigeon. I don't I don't know. I don't think the pigeon's performance was especially great because it uh, really doesn't last very long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Not to spoil too much, but anyways, basically the movie is Willem Dafoe is stealing art from this guy's penthouse and uh, something malfunctions with his security system, which kind of runs everything in the house and it locks him in and he's just stuck there. And the, the owner of the penthouse is like on the other side of the country, like he's somewhere in Europe and it's uh. It's a little hard to figure out the timeline, but it seems like he's there for many, many months. Mm. Um, so <laughs> he's got no way of uh, communicating to the outside world and uh, nobody can hear. It's it's apparently the most soundproof apartment in the history of the world. And uh, nobody ever comes to check on it. But uh yeah, I, I kind of expected it to be you know, kind of over the top with Willem Dafoe kind of losing his sanity. Maybe kind of like the lighthouse a little bit. Mm. Um, maybe you know, obviously more modern because it's set in modern day. Um, but it's a little more subdued than that. It's um, it, it's it's much more subtle in, in the performance of him kind of going crazy and there's only a few times where they kind of toe the line of taking it to the extreme there's a couple of dream sequences that i liked um i could have used more of those but yeah I, I i'd say overall i liked it it's a good movie um i kind of wish they had pushed it a little bit more into the the crazy zone 
you know, uh, sure. the, the over the top, but it's kind of interesting that they did hold it back as much as they did, given some of the stuff that Defoe has done in the past. But yeah, I, I would recommend it as a WTM eventually. Eventually. All right. Last film I'm going to talk about is from 1973. It's a black exploitation film. I'm still uh, going through that list of black exploitation films that I uh, created when, I, when I, I've been reading that black exploitation book that I have. I forget the title of it. <laughs> that book I talked about in the last recently seen, I think, or maybe it was two episodes ago. But I saw Cleopatra Jones. That's one I have not seen yet. Directed by Jack Starrett, starring Tamara Dobson, Bernie Casey, Brenda Sykes, Antonio Fargus, Dan Frazier, Bill McKinney, Stafford Morgan, uh, Michael Warren, Albert Popel, or sorry, Albert Popwell, and Esther Roll. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> exactly. Synopsis, during the 1970s, U.S. Special Agent Cleopatra Jones proves to be an invaluable asset to the local police forces in the war on drugs. So, very similar to <laughs> almost every other black exploitation movie, and it revolves around drugs. The villains are the, the, the drug dealers, the pushers, if you will. Goddamn the pusher, man. <laughs> As I wrote in my review on Letterboxd, Cleopatra Jones herself was meh i want a little more out of my heroines i want some i want some nudity okay <laughs> i want some sex scenes i want some i want some like coffee foxy brown type stuff okay but uh she was still solid i just liked you know these of the pam Greer films i've seen i've liked her characters more than cleopatra jones however she does kick a lot of ass i gotta give her that she does a lot of kicking that's what i was gonna say She's very tall. I she is. a lot of kicking in there. So, I mean, she was fine. But what I really liked were the supporting characters. Esther Roll. Can't complain with Esther Roll, right? Bernie Casey, I've always liked. Yeah, right. he's always good. Because I'm just now starting to see him in black exploitation films. Is that growing up, I always knew him from uh, Revenge of the Nerds and Spies Like Us and some movies like that. So now it's kind of fun to see him uh, in films that where he kind of sowed his oats so to say made a name for himself so does oats what a phrase to use in that <laughs> situation <laughs> i'm sure he sowed a lot of oats in those movies <laughs> well that's uh cleopatra jones's main squeeze in this film there's also a scene in here that uh You've probably seen that clip from Magnum P.I., the, the nun scene. You know what I'm talking about? Or Tom mm. Selleck's walking. I think it's uh, like a convent or something like that. Or there's a there's a nun on a ladder, and I think she's painting or working on something. And uh, she kind of waves, you know, hello. And Tom Selleck says hi. And he walks past her, and then he's like, wait a minute. It's Sunday. <laughs> and like he turns around and. It's a it's a guy in drag, you know, and he they pull out a gun and Tom Selleck, you know, dies and shoots him and off the ladder, you know, nuns don't work on Sundays. It's a <laughs> hilarious uh, clip. If you get a chance to see it, look it up. 
I don't think I've seen that before, but that sounds funny. It's ridiculous. Um, uh, it's kind of like in uh, Austin Powers, like the first one or two, when there's all, all those guys dressed up as women and you know they have beards and whatnot. It's just <laughs> like ridiculous. Those those undercover spies. But um, yeah, there's a scene kind of like that. I was like, let's give that scene a run for its money. It's pretty ridiculous. So there's a lot of fun to be had here. Uh, there's one of the gangsters has this white posh British butler that they just <laughs> constantly make fun of the entire movie, just like mocking him and his voice and his accent, you know, and <laughs> what he calls things. That's funny. Using the you know the proper King's English and whatnot, or the Queen's English, I should say, right? At the time. Yeah, at the time. It's the Queens. <laughs> Kings now. Queens English at the time. <laughs> it's like it's like listening to a pro wrestler, an old pro wrestler do a podcast, and they always say the WWF at the time. <laughs> like, yeah, we know. <laughs> uh this movie has uh, pretty good action, has a really good car chase scene in it. Uh, I had a blast watching it. It's it's almost a soonish. I'll just keep it at the eventually uh, level. Eventually. So yeah, watch this movie eventually. And I'm excited to see Cleopatra Jones in the Casino of Gold sometime soon. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Jack Starrett, the director. He also directed Race with the Devil, which is one okay. of my favorite movies. Um, it's a movie I like a lot. But that movie also has the... Uh, if you remember, I, I challenged you to watch it, and there's a mm-hmm. scene where they're being so basically the whole movie is there. There's two couples on vacation in an RV, and they're being they witnessed a uh, satanic ritual, and so now the Satanists are coming out of the woodwork to chase them and <laughs> hunt them down. Well, there's a scene where there's a school bus. They're coming up on a school bus, and they go Saturday. What <laughs> that school bus ain't supposed to be on the road on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's pretty good yeah i'll have to check that out i think uh yeah jack's starrett has uh directed some other decent stuff yeah i I saw it on hbo max the sequel's on there as well so hopefully it's still there anyways we can talk about the movie challenge yeah challenge you to watch for your eyes only the the serious roger moore bond movie this is not a serious movie come on (laughs) You're ribbing with that. That's not real. Compared to the other ones. (laughs) There's no way this is the serious movie. Come on. For out of Roger Moore's seven Bond films, this is the most serious. (laughs) I don't believe you. Although, I don't know. If it is, it's not by a wide margin. Yeah. So yeah, For Your Eyes Only from 1981, directed by John Glenn. Straight out of NASA into the director's mm-hmm. chair, starring Roger Moore, uh, Carol Bouquet, Topol, pronounced Bukaki. What? <laughs> so it's pronounced Bukaki. How is uh, B O U Q E E T? Oh, E T. There's only one k- sound. Uh, Topol uh, is in there. He he just recently died. Mm. Uh, Lynn Holly Johnson, cover. Uh, Cassandra Harris, Jill Bennett, Michael Gothard, uh, John Wyman, Jack Headley, 
Lois Maxwell, Desmond Llewellyn, Jeffrey Keen, um, Walter Gotel. Some of these legacy characters are really starting to look old, like Miss Money Penny <laughs> and uh, Q. Like Q yeah. looks like he's been dying. Yeah. <laughs> but Q makes it all the way to 99. Holy uh, shit. World is not enough. The third Pierce Brosnan movie. The same actor, he goes another 18 years. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> well, let's see. How old was he? And he passed away uh, from a, a car accident, too. So if it wasn't a car accident, he probably would have been and died another day. And I don't think he would have been in Casino Royale, but. He was born in 1914 and he died in 1999. Yeah. So that would have been. My mental math sucks now. I used to be really good at it. Was that 80? It would have been 67 and 81. Oh, in 81, yeah. But he looks all of 85. <laughs> like he looks like he's been 85 for like 10 years at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, synopsis James Bond is assigned to find a missing British vessel equipped with a weapons encryption device and prevent it from falling into enemy hands. This movie is like the most ridiculous opening scene of any of these James Bond movies. And uh, I don't know if any of the ones after it can top it, but I, I, I think this one might be the most ridiculous where he's on vacation and somebody calls and says, uh, your agency needs you in an emergency. They're sending a helicopter. And then uh, we see a, a character in a wheelchair wearing a neck brace petting a white cat <laughs> with a shaved bald head and a uh, remote control. And uh, he kills the pilot of the helicopter and takes a remote control of it and just flies it all around a city. <laughs> just in between buildings and shit. <laughs> and, uh, and then somehow James Bond takes control of the uh, the helicopter, hooks one of the legs underneath this guy's wheelchair and drops him into a smokestack. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> That's the serious movie? Uh-huh. Get out of here. Well, of here. you're forgetting that the last Roger Moore film you watched, Moonraker, which, by the way, sent James Bond into space. Well, yeah, uh, that that starts with uh, the skydiving stunt where Jaws plummets to the earth and is saved by a big top circus tent. <laughs> yeah, but Jaws was indestructible. <laughs> yeah. That was like the third space later and still lives. That was like the third time he had done that in the <laughs> in the series. So he yeah, I, I, I gotta say that is more ridiculous than dropping Blofeld down a smokestack. It was only the second movie he appeared in, but it was the third time <laughs> he did that same stunt. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I thought this was pretty ridiculous, but it was fun. I had fun yeah. with it. I, I really uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I don't. I don't uh, we, we could talk more in depth in the spoiler section, but uh, I would give it a, a strong eventually. Eventually. Okay. So I think we've really found your your Bond sweet spot. You're a fan of Roger Moore. You've seen five of them now, and you've liked them all. Well, I, w- I would probably say I like his his movies tend to be better, but uh, Connery was probably the better Bond. Yeah, they're they're definitely very different in their portrayals. 
Right. But, you know, the Marja Moore's bond really embraces the camp and Sean Connery is a little more, a little more serious. Roger Moore turned down sex. So <laughs> yeah, he turns down <laughs> sex in here. Now, to be fair, the girl was allegedly underage. So yeah, let's, I, uh, I forget what's the name of the, the bond girl in this one. She doesn't have a double entendre name, does she? Well, she's not. I mean, she's just named Melina. Yeah. And then uh, the other one is BB, the, mm. the the ice skater. Yeah. But Melina, she's a uh, she's the daughter of a scientist who was hired to go save the um, what is it? They had some kind of device on a submarine where it would uh, uh, send uh, like orders to to set off bombs or something or whatever and it mm-hmm. was supposed to self-destruct and it didn't and they hired this guy to go get it and he gets he gets killed so uh, his daughter decides to avenge his death because she's greek or something yeah she's very <laughs> greek and so she becomes an assassin who just keeps popping up in james bond's way throughout the movie with a crossbow they just cross paths so many times but yeah, she she was not your conventional uh, Bond girl. Yeah. All right. Well, now you will challenge me to watch a movie. We'll kind of wrap up the show, and then we'll talk a little more about For You Guys Only with spoilers. So what are you going to have me watch, Brett? This is a challenge. I think I'm going to go with uh, the ninth best movie of 2022, Hatching. Uh, we watch hatching okay where's that available i have the blu-ray oh, okay. i don't know if it's i don't know if it's streaming but i have the blu-ray it says it's on hulu okay well brett where can people support the show and buy some of our lovely merchandise you can head over to wtm watch this movie.creator-spring.com uh you can reach out to us you can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com Follow us on tw- follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie or bread at positively wolf one. You can check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com and please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many other podcast apps. So, for your eyes only, probably has my favorite poster of the franchise. Of course. I love that poster. <laughs> it's incredible. Got that 80s booty on there. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to get a big one sheet of that and frame it real nice. <laughs> Put it in the kids' room. Now it'll be down in the, uh, when I get my house, it'll be down in the, uh, the theater room in the basement. <laughs> Just incredible. I was going to say, is it an alien on there? But that's that uh, super fancy um, scuba suit from the end. <laughs> Deep Star Six, what that movie's called. I don't remember. Uh, but it's got oh, the helicopter under- on there too. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, the Broccoli's telling McClory to go fuck himself, saying we don't need Blofeld. You can have him. We're just That's gonna funny. drop him unceremoniously down a smokestack. <laughs> it's so out of uh, out of the blue. Just like it, it has nothing to do with anything. Also because. Blofeld hasn't even been in any of Roger Moore's Bond films up until this point. 
the last appearance he made was in Diamonds Are Forever, that one where Connery came back for one movie mm. in 71. So it was in dispute that whole time. And then McClory won uh, the case at this juncture. And so that's why the following uh, Bond film, Octopussy, went head to head with another Bond film. McClory got uh, Connery to come back because McConnery Connery had, uh, at that time, he hated the broccolis. <laughs> he said on Carson, he was Everybody asked. Everybody hates uh, broccoli. <laughs> uh, Carson asked him who his uh, favorite Bond villain was, and he said, Cubby Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> they were not on good terms, and they continued to not be good terms until Cubby finally died. They kind of made up on his deathbed, basically. But yeah, there's uh, next Bond movie I have you uh, see will be will be two, but one's not canon and one is. Also with Never Seen Ever Again, the non-Eon production. Bernie Casey's in that, speaking of Bernie Casey before. Yeah. But uh, Kim Basinger's the Bond girl in that one with Sean Connery. Do you see Kim Basinger uh, resurfaced? Some people are saying yeah. she looks fantastic <laughs> and not like a skeleton or Skeletor at all. <laughs> well, it's not Maria Shriver bad. So she Skeletor, no, but I mean, she's going to be in her sixties. I mean, what the hell? Yep. <laughs> Just be old. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, never seen ever again is a uh, pretty fun a remake of Thunderball. It went head to head with Octopussy. Bond goes to India Roger Moore goes to India and Octopussy. Uh, they're both pretty fun. Both solid. Uh, Octopussy actually did better. But um, yeah. And then uh, basically it was still in dispute until the Broccoli's won the rights back around 2012. And that's why we had Spectre. Because they couldn't use the name Spectre even. They couldn't use Blofeld. They couldn't use Spectre. <laughs> so that's why in the first two Daniel Craig ones, they talk about Quantum. Oh, that's like the name of the organization. And then it's, well, it's not, it's, it's, it's Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> and they have Blofeld with Christoph Walls. Who gets killed in the, the last one, just like, like that. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> touch him. Now he's dead. Now he's dead. He needed to be vaccinated. <laughs> it's that nanotechnology. <laughs> I'm really sick of nanotechnology. That's it. Every fucking movie, yeah. it's like, how'd you do it? Nanotechnology, smart blood. Like, <laughs> fucking a man, that's like every Marvel movie's like that. Like fuck, nanotechnology. Anyways, uh, four years only. I I like the henchman quite a bit. That tall blonde asshole, the uh, biathlete. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That means he does. Uh, it's two different sporting events in one. Mm -hmm. uh, He's not a bi-athlete. He's a bi-athlete. <laughs> sure Although, uh, I, I don't know. He's from East Germany, so, he, you know. <laughs> the wrong side of the wall. <laughs> it's hard to tell. <laughs> I, I really like that sequence. It's a pretty good skiing sequence, action, chase scene. But the uh, You know, he's taking shots on the, on the course, and then he just kind of <laughs> skips over trying to kill Bond, and a merry chase ensues. It's pretty funny when uh, at the end of James, it, James Bond outruns them. Uh, he's on skis and they're on dirt bikes. Yeah, and he he he's, he's on one faster ski. than them. <laughs> he's got one 
one pole broken in half. And so he's got mm-hmm. one pole and I don't know. Did he lose a ski? Halfway I think through? he loses a ski halfway through. And he's still faster than these guys on <laughs> dirt bikes going downhill. Like <laughs> It's so funny when uh, that blonde henchman wrecks and he gets so pissed off. He picks up the motorcycle and hucks it at Rushmore. <laughs> I think he throws two of them at him. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know. I just I wrote down a couple things to to mention. Um, so we talk about the helicopter stuff, and then right after that, they cut to the submarine, and they have like a fishing net, and they reel in a mine. Yeah, <laughs> like what? Like where did it come from? It's coming real close. It's like, well, you're reeling it in. Like, <laughs> stop. And then uh, they get that, uh, they give Bond a Lotus with a special burglar system on it, which uh, just blows it up when somebody else tries to get in the car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they have the, the chase scene with the Volkswagen Beetle where he flips it about a hundred times <laughs> going downhill. That's pretty good. Actually, I, there was one thing I really liked in that scene was... Um, so he like he's flipped it I don't know how many times and he's going downhill and uh I think I saw in the trivia it was uh like an olive uh like an olive grove. So like they're harvesting olives from the trees. So they had all those right. nets and stuff and um they were falling on all the cars and at one point uh Bond looks over at Molina and he goes, I love a nice drive in the country. And the, the actress breaks. Like, she can't help but laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> and they left it in there. And it was... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was, it was endearing that uh, they left that in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a genuine reaction. <laughs> you don't generally get that with, with stuff like that. Oh, I like the uh, the soundtrack. Especially early, like the first half of the movie. It was really funky. Yeah. This one and Moonraker, very, and Spy Love Me, very disco, very funk. I want to say Bill Conti did the uh, the music on this one. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very dated, but, you know, I'm a big fan of disco and, and funk, so. It worked really well, I thought. Yeah. Oh, also in that Beatle chase, James Bond stopped short. Yeah, <laughs> stopped short. <laughs> I'm short with my wife. That's my move. That's Frank <laughs> Costanza's move. <laughs> um. Oh, he was meeting with uh, who's that first contact? Cristados, Cristados, or Cristados? Yeah. He was the guy. He was the, the one who had the niece that was the the figure skater. Yep. And he was telling him about this this lock guy. And uh, he was listing off his worst offenses, and he's saying uh, like he, he does terrible things like uh, smuggles drugs and w- does white slavery and uh, <laughs> contract killing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, a white slavery is bad, but uh, you know, that other slavery he does is just fine. <laughs> Don't worry about that. The scene with the hockey players just. Totally yeah, that was gotta, out of nowhere. I, I liked it. Well, I, I think they were capitalizing off the popularity of uh, Miracle on Ice because that was 1980, right? Like yes. Placid. 
So yeah. this is 81. So you got to put a, a hockey scene in there. It was ridiculous, but I liked it. But you can't tell me this is the serious bond and have that scene in there. Sure, I can. And you can't I can, have I can guys do it real quick. dirt bikes. You can't have a guy's throwing dirt bikes and you can't have Bond flipping his Volkswagen Beetle a hundred times and still getting away. The first one, uh, the first Roger Moore is a black exploitation film where the villain blows up like a balloon and pops. <laughs> the second one uh, was uh, Christopher Lee, who has a, a little person butler on a private. Basically, it's a fantasy island he lives on with tattoo. <laughs> the literal fantasy island. With Sheriff J.W. Pepper uh, helping Bond overseas in Southeast Asia, they on do vacation. a vacation on his vacation. <laughs> they do, they do a what do you call it a a three sixty jump with the with the car, which that was a real <laughs> stunt. It was incredible, but they yeah. do a slide whistle with it. <laughs> Let's see what else. So, Spy Love Me. That's where the guy wants to live under the sea. He wants to. Just... <laughs> Is it, if you if you look closely, he also has like webbed hands or whatever. So he's oh, pretty like part aquatic, yeah. but that's also the you know, first one with Jaws. Jaws is obviously very ridiculous. He always seems to not die when he should. He's not ridiculous. He's great. Well, I know I love him. He's very but... serious all the time, <laughs> except for when he's with his sweetheart in Moonraker. Yeah, Moonraker is that's just obvious with going into space and surviving like a 20,000 foot drop <laughs> plummet to a circus tent. It's too bad after Moonraker that, uh, you know, at the end they turned Jaws baby face and they should have continued that and brought him back for other movies helping Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would have been cool. That would have been, yeah, I would have liked that. Next one, I won't get into it. It might be spoilery, but it's ridiculous. His name Octopussy for fuck's sake. <laughs> And then Vito Kill is even is probably the most ridiculous and campy one. It's from '85, and he's uh, he was like 56 or 57 when he made it. So he is. I mean, he's already too old. By he already looks, only. He's been looking too old for like the last four. <laughs> I think he was two years older than Connery when he started. Something like that. He was born in '80 or uh, '80 in 1927. What about Connery? So. It, Moore would have been 54 years old in 1981. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's no wonder he only has one sex scene in the movie. And it's mm-hmm. at the very end. So you need to stay, save up his stamina. All right. Um, I don't know. Anything Connery, else? Connery was born in 30. He's even younger than Moore. So I'm saying, yeah, Moore was Just a few years older when he started Bond. <laughs> Well, he's a few years older than Connery. Yeah, just older. Period. That's what I meant. Yeah, just older than period. Connery. Um, there's a scene where they drag them behind the boat to try to get the sharks to eat them. That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And then once they get out, they're just like, "Oh, the sharks got them," <laughs> you know. But she had hidden the the oxygen oxygen tank at the bottom of the ocean to save them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mountaintop layer was. Totally ripped off by the King's Man, the uh, the okay. prequel that came out a couple of years ago. It looks just like it. It's it's very similar. Okay. And then uh, the end where they call the Prime Minister and he just puts the parrot on the phone was hilarious. <laughs> Give us a kiss. Oh, James. Oh. 
Oh, oh bye. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a lot of fun. But uh, come on. I mean, serious. I'm not going to say it's not ridiculous. It's still Roger you Moore. Can't Bonson, say it's, but... You can describe this movie in a lot of ways. Serious is not one of them. Well, just compared to his other ones. <laughs> it's, a, it's a low bar. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more serious than those ones. Okay. Yeah, but not by much. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to... Well, I mean, I'm going to watch Hatchy next, but the next recently seen or next challenge I'm going to give to you won't be the next Bond film. I'll give you another break. Why have you watched the next Bond films over the summer? So I'm going to send you on a Lars von Trier mission. Oh, boy. The next pick, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that'll about do it. Anything else? No. All right, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Bye. Dork, man. What are you talking Chicky about? Chicky later. Chicky later. <laughs> hey, man, you're off my case.